I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, 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 hello, leavers and believers. Welcome back to Leaving Hillsong. My name's Tanya and I am so thrilled that you are here today to be part of this conversation. We're going out on a bit of a limb today and it should open some really interesting doors. And I hope a lot of networks and conversations, you'll see why. Today we're talking to Dave, who's in his late 30s and works at a university, supporting people's startups. And he's been incredibly generous in opening up and sharing about the guilt and remorse that he feels about his involvement and what level of responsibility he might have had in causing negative outcomes in other people in the Hillsong environment. It's a conversation that needs to be had and needs to be had for a really long time. There's a lot of people out there that feel so much guilt about knowingly or unknowingly participating in things that they didn't realize had such great effects on people. So this is going to be a really good one. Dave is also really open about his mental health diagnosis and his thoughts about that and uh, how he wound up having to have a look at that stuff. So pull up a couch, grab your coffee and let's dive into a bit of a tyrant. Hi, Dave. Hello. How are you going? I am very good today. Thank you so much. It's a bonus public holiday. I'm feeling good. Yourself? Yeah. 
yeah, the Queen died. So we got a random Thursday off, um, which is, yeah. And, you know, in Australia, in Victoria, they're getting a day off tomorrow for the football. So that's Aussie life. It's fantastic. You said you'd do your own bio for me. Um, <laughs> Dave is, ah, thank you so much for talking with me. Thank you so much for coming on and, and agreeing to have this conversation we've i mean we've chatted a bit over time yep. and yeah there's there's so much to talk about so do a little bio for us Hi, no worries. Uh, i have known you for a little while tanya and it's so exciting to chat with you about this now but yeah so my background is that i have been involved in church for a little while for the last seven eight years or so i have not been involved in church what i do now is work at a university in sydney i do a bunch of stuff around tech and entrepreneurship and yeah get to hang out now and then with people like yourself chatting away about you know the old days and you're not even 40 yet on the cusp on the cusp i, I mean people get really offended when i ask their age but it's just so that <laughs> i know which celebrity references them <laughs> to make and to put us on the map with this current soap opera i mean oh, i think it was yesterday's news that you know the mcmartin family from the inspire church which you know have been under the spotlight for a while anyway yeah. one of their sons is resigning under circumstances we're not entirely sure of because they never make it very clear so it's really turning into a, a massive netflix production on on the day so i mean you were you were quite young when you started out quite young but you hadn't come from an evangelical home what yes. um what took you to hillsong yeah good question so i was 15 years old and i think it was in 1998 i remember the movie starship troopers had just come out i don't know why i sort of like remember that but yeah i was invited by my friend at school along to a church camp and because both my parents worked so i had an awesome family both my parents worked really hard and so they'd send us the holiday program which was a lot of money and we'd go and you know do rock climbing and swimming and whatever and this was like a lot cheaper you know i took the the photocopy flyer yeah, home my, yeah. my mum and i had a bit of a laugh about it because it sounded kind of daggy and and she was like you know if your friends are going and you want to go why not so i went along to this mm -hmm. youth camp and they sort of it was cool they played songs and the people were really fun and you know we got to play games but yeah they they had some cool music and and one of the people there the leaders talked about how you needed to accept jesus into your heart to be a savior so then you could be saved from hell and you know you could become a christian and so my friend from school and i who both had gone along to the camp she kind of grabbed me by the arm was like we've got to do this and i'm like oh okay. okay um so we you know prayed this prayer and, and got a free bible and and that was it so at 15 years old i sort of suddenly realized i was a christian and i went home to my parents and told them hey uh, this is what i did and they both looked sort of concerned by it but you know they just went along with it they were really cool and let me figure things out for myself so they were happy for me to yeah experiment with this whole christianity thing that yeah that's interesting it's a it's a friend thing isn't it teenagers yeah. initiate each yes. other yeah cool okay so what's the involvement from then and <laughs> well yeah i okay i was uh so my family's my mum, my dad and my sister and so there's only four of us we you know good life but i was always a very extroverted kid and always excited to make friends and and so, you know, okay. being around all these new friends was so exciting. And and they said, you know, you've got to come along on Sunday to church because, well, that's what Christians do. And and so I thought, okay, hey, Dad, can you drive me to church on Sunday? And and mm -hmm. so 
my parents were like, this is so bizarre, but at least you're not doing drugs. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. off I'd go to, to church. It was like a Pentecostal community church. Um, I grew up in Canberra, by the way, I should mention. So this was in Canberra. And one of the few things that I did early on was go to something called Countdown 2000 in Sydney. So we all got on a bus with young people from different churches in Canberra and we wow. went along to Youth Alive Countdown 2000 at wow. Parramatta Stadium, which, you know, as a high school kid, you're just like any excursion or big trip is fun. Yeah, and so. Yeah, we went off to that and and Chris Kane got up and talked about the giving, I think, and and Paul Andrews had dreadlocks and Pat Mercedes was uh, speaking and he spoke about how he was like illustrating how, you know, Jesus came to help broken people by using that song Torn by Natalie Umbrulli, which was kind of massive back in that year. Wonder and he was like going yours. through the yeah, yeah. So, you know, we're going through the line by line this song and how, you know, actually it's it's humanity crying out to God about how they need to be saved, et cetera. And so I kind of, you know, by that point, I've been putting up my hand at every altar call, right? I'm one of those like frequent flyers when it comes to yeah. you putting up your hand and stuff. And, you know, I, I just thought it was so cool. And this guy was so articulate. And I think that's where it really started to bond with my brain, you know, like getting involved in this thing started to become really fun why wouldn't it be fun and it's interesting isn't it because it is like clean sober fun so yeah people yeah. are gonna not necessarily drop out of the circle as quickly do you think there's more like ability or something in that more yeah well also i've got to tell you that you know life in the 90s in australia as a teenager that sounds wild to say was so different right i've got brown skin my mum's chilean and my dad is dutch and i was i felt like an outsider for a okay. long time okay. and so me being in a school with mostly white kids and it, it was cool it was fine but it felt this sense of belonging that you get when you go along to a super charismatic and kind of excitable church when you suddenly feel like oh you know I, one of the taglines at Hillsong is welcome home I felt like welcome home was such the the ethos there and I thought like oh, this is better than my friends at school this is better than my family this is better than kind of what I'm used to this is kind of my new family right and so I threw myself into it because I'm imagining there would be lots of other kids that feel like outsiders too then yeah I mean not that I was cognizant of that at the time yeah. but yeah also there are a lot of like pretty girls at youth group and you know that as a young dude, it gets you, you know, you go every Friday. Yeah, um, yeah. That's, that's just how it is. They're smart. Um, They're smart to do that on the, on the girl's side as well then because, you know, how do you get young boys to do, like, how do you get them to go somewhere apart from sport or? <laughs> yeah. It makes yeah. perfect sense, yeah. It, but it, it was cool. It was, it was, you know, it was a lot of fun. And and I met great people, friends that I even have now. You know, we just yeah. went on a, on a holiday with friends that I made back then when I was a teenager and we're still friends now. And so, you know, like it was, there were a lot of positives, I would say. But I, I think one of the things that was interesting was that that is where I became aware, like as a sort of late teen finishing school, became aware that I just had two sides to me, which you know, on one side, I was the really happy, outgoing, fun, sort of wanting to be a leader one day kind of kid at church. And then the other side to me was sitting there, listening to what people were saying, watching what was happening and realizing this seems incongruent with what I've been brought up to Back believe. There, early yes. on. Yes. And, um, yet, and so I consciously pushed that down. They must be able to see ambition as well. Loyalty, ambition, you had a lot going for you, extroverted. And I guess so. 
Yeah. And I just really, really did love it. I, yeah. I'm one of those people, you know, who gets super energized when you're around yes. others. And so, you know, I'm a morning person. I'm loud. I like to be around people. And so I think it just Perfect. that kind of person Perfect. fits so well in that atmosphere. Yeah. I mean, the system definitely rewards certain personalities. And then, because that's an, you know, that's an easy path. Yeah. So, you know, would have taken a bit to kind of move away. But so the doubts were early. All right. But you became a leader pretty early and you yes. broke up with your girlfriend at school. And <laughs> yeah. I had this high school girlfriend in year nine when I started going to church. And she, she was lovely. She started coming along to church after a little while as well. But someone, a leader at church told me, she sort of said, hey, you've got to break up with that girl. It's not like a holy relationship. Okay. She doesn't believe in God either. Oh, so, no. you know, oh. And I was just brand new with all of that stuff. So yeah. I didn't know any better. And, and so, yeah, we sort of broke things off. She didn't, yeah, she was obviously upset by that. And I just, in my head was like, I know this is weird and it doesn't seem right, but you know, I'm just going to follow the advice I was given because these people know better than I do. And the Bible is the true word of God. And it happened back at Hills Christian Life Centre a couple of times and people were absolutely devastated, mm. but everybody knew it was the right thing because I mean, the pastors had said it. It's you guys need to break up. It's wrong. So everyone had to live with the consequences. Yeah. To to hear it that they're doing it almost casually with people. It's it's incredible. Yeah. I mean, this is a long, long time ago, but yeah. I guess this is what we know now as the whole purity culture movement, right? Like, I think people were scaring us into. No, you know, we we weren't really yeah. supposed to go in cars with girls by ourselves or do anything remotely, uh -huh. kind of uh dodgy seeming so you know things like that and i'm super into music i'm a, a music guy and i had collected lots of cds by then because you know back in the day we didn't have ipods yes. and iphones whatever and cds and so i'd you know so many spent all my pocket money on cds and i remember this one pastor at, at church was like hey you if you really love god and if you really wanted to you know pursue him you would get rid of all of these cds and maybe sell them and put money in the offering or something and, wow. and so it was like Oh, um, all right. And so I, I did that. I took them to the, you know, secondhand CD shop and got money for all of my albums. And I, I remember those, it was things like that that my parents would sort of look at and go, can we just, hold on, can you explain what's going on here? I don't really compute. You're selling all these CDs and you're putting money in the offering. I remember this one time, my mum got very upset with me because I, you know, we had an altar call. I think it was for a, an offering of some kind, like a miracle offering at youth group. And, and I didn't have any money. So I put my mobile phone in the offering. <laughs> and like, of course I got it back. But, you know, my my mum was not pumped. She she was kind of like, you, you need to stop being so emotional about all of this stuff. And I'm sure everything will be okay if you don't put money in the offering this week, you know, or, or whatever. And how do you react to that? I mean, how does, what <laughs> it's is this push pull thing from both sides? Yeah. You know, you're, you know, I was growing up having a teenage phase. Like most people just go partying and get drunk and, you know, whatever. But my teenage angst phase was going to church, which was super weird for my parents. But anyway, I feel bad for them. But anyway, yeah, I uh, sort of well, put yeah. them through hell in a different way, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, a rebellion is rebellion. I mean, they it didn't come to blows or anything. They didn't, you know, no. give you ultimatums or anything. Like that. I know. No, they're super supportive people. Okay. So, yeah, so it was totally cool. It was cool. just strange, but we'll go with it. Yeah, my parents That's... even paid for Bible college. They were, they were okay. just so happy that I'd found uh -huh. something I was passionate about doing. And so, 
yeah, they, it wasn't very much money back then, I guess, compared to probably what uni costed now. But yeah. they really, really believed in me and wanted me to follow my passion. So that was cool. All right. So, at, you know, at what point do you then become a leader and yeah. you're doing leadership and doing the thing? And um... Yeah, okay. I was kind of from as soon as I could work was working part-time jobs. I just like getting busy and doing things. And I think that's part of my personality is doing way too much all the time, still even now. So I was working away and, and realized I wanted to go to Bible college. By that point, I had become a youth leader and yeah, was enjoying myself. So I had a, had a connect group of, mm -hmm. of young people and sort of trying my best to be a good influence and, and positive. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. And anyway, went along to Bob College at Hills. You know, I'd been to a few Hills song conferences. I understood sort of what was going on there, and it seemed really inspiring. So I went along to Hills Did Bible you College. Move? You moved yeah, from moved up to yeah, moved up to Sydney. Got a job again mm -hmm. at the local Castle Hill shopping mall, selling jeans. Transplanted my life almost exactly the same. Yeah, it's um, it was it was a good time. Uh, and then you know, started volunteering at HYS Hillsong Youth Services. No, Hills District Youth Services. Mm -hmm. It was back then. Um, wildlife, our senior high age group, and you know, doing bits and pieces on Sundays. But I jumped into college and had such. It was such a parallel situation. On one hand, I was having such a great time. It was, there was a lot going on, lots of cool people. But on the other side, that part of me I was mentioning before that sort of sat there sort of with my arms crossed going, this is all a little bit cooked. It was super unorganized, okay. you know, super just, I remember our class sizes were like 300 people or something. And in my head, I'm like, how are we learning really that much by being in, a, in an environment like this. I'm not really doing anything. I'm not learning to be a leader. I'm just listening to someone talk. I would say my learning experience there was, you know, a bit mixed. But at the same time, uh, I was listening to people talk on stage and telling us how to live and telling us how to interpret the Bible and telling us how to, you know, um, trust God and, and all of this stuff and kind of just thinking, okay, I'll, I'll go all in. I'll keep going all in. I'll just keep following that advice. I'll just keep following that example and and just see where it takes me. And so that was sort of a couple of years of college and, you know, I made some good friends again, great people, people that I still chat with now and I'm friends with now. And then at the end of college, I moved back to Canberra because I was employed to be a youth pastor at the church that I came from. So back to Canberra and what I did was, and I think this happens a lot, probably, I took what I'd seen at, at Wildlife, 
which was our youth group. And I'd seen kind of all of this success in terms of getting people to come to church. And I took that back to camera and tried to superimpose that whole thing where we were. And that was, you know, it was fine, I guess. And we grew our youth group really quickly. We had, we had a lot of people involved and there was a lot of momentum and excitement, but I saw myself become this leader, this, I guess, these qualities that I'd seen in other leaders at, at Hills where, you know, I was, became a bit of a tyrant and would sort of Hi. get there on a Friday and be like, right, everyone's here volunteering, but you've got to put on a super excellent sort of production here and everything's got to be perfect and we've all got to do everything we can to bring young people along to Friday nights and to Sundays and, and push, push, push. And I know for a fact that a lot of the people that were part of that youth group, you know, would have experienced different types of burnout because of, yeah, the way that I organised and ran what I was running. And okay. definitely okay. not proud of that at all because it That's bit me huge. later on in life. Yeah. That's yeah. huge. We have discussed this before. Yeah, um, totally. That's, that's incredibly brave of you to talk about and i think there's a lot a lot of people out there that you know will will hear that very intently so every single pastor i hear about has been a screamer doesn't matter how nice they've been to like 99 whatever everybody's been screamed at everybody's been a screamer it seems and it seems that that kind of pressure that you're under that you're talking about you know, he's right oh. through the place and that everybody's going through that kind of thing and feeling yeah. that kind of guilt and it's holding a lot of people back. What was, like, what's that been like for you looking at that stuff? That's uncomfortable, horrible, unpleasant. And, well, and, and so honest of you, I mean, this, you know, being taught an organisational culture that you replicated and then yeah. you look back and go, I didn't like that. Yeah. Oh, where do I start? Do do? I mean, could give you so many examples of, of what I mean by that. But I, I'm very firmly believe in, I think my wife now often says to me, which I really appreciate, she's like, you know, you seem to take responsibility for a lot of this stuff, which I'm very proud of. And, and, and I love hearing that. I don't necessarily agree with her, but I sort of think you, you've just got to face facts sometimes. And I think with, with the system and with with kind of the model of church that we are used to, like you and I are used to because we've been there, we we see this incredible vision in front of us and we see what's possible and the inspiration and the excitement and, and you're just like, guys, we've all just got to mobilise and we've got to get there together and, and you know, we're doing something that's never been done, so we've got to do things that have never been done to get there. You, you get so wrapped up, right? And to the point where suddenly you look back and go, oh, I haven't hung out with my parents in half a year or I haven't even seen my close friends that are outside of church in years, you know, you suddenly become so kind of in this rabbit hole. I think there were a few critical points there for me where I realised it was a this or that situation, like the crossroads. So I think when I first got to college and I was sitting there, you've got to understand like at Hillsong College, I was, I think it was the year 2005 maybe, I was one of a handful of Australians and the rest of probably the room of a thousand people were all from the States or the UK or Europe or, you know, Brazil, South America, or wherever it was. I think the culture was super different. And Robert Ferguson, who's a, a pastor, he was sort of got up, I remember, and, and he was infamous for being the really angry guy, the yeller, right? And we all really respected him because he, you know, he seemed to carry himself such authority. And he got up and he said, I remember word for word, he said, you know, I look at your faces and I know exactly what you're thinking. 
I know exactly what you're going through. And I know, you know, I can see your insecurities. God obviously sees all this potential in you. But while you're here, you're here to learn. You're here to die to yourself. So all of your wills and wants and desires and desire to be, you know, ambitious and be a leader and all of that, you've got to kill all of that. And you've got to learn to do things our way. For me, I struggled with that. Um, massively struggled. Wow. Because you know, I was brought up with really clever, great parents who were like, think for yourself, there's shades of grey in everything. You know, there's always two sides to the story. And suddenly I was being confronted with this message that was like, this is the way to do church. This is the way to interpret the Bible. This is the way to believe in God and trust in God. And, and I just, oof, it was tough, like super, super tough. But again, it was just this constant decision to push down the part of me that knew better, keep putting money in the offering, keep showing up to a million services and things a week and just keep doing that. And so when I got to Canberra and brought those ideologies with me to that church, I think our pastors in Canberra were, were awesome people and very, very generous and definitely didn't push the people as hard as that. So I think there was a lot of incongruence there. And, and I think a lot of the young people that were part of that youth ministry, yeah, they, they probably signed up to change the world and in a few years realised that they were... Yeah, um, doing a lot of stuff for free. After a few years of that, and that was, you know, it was a really cool experience, learnt a lot, did a lot of cool things, but and at the same time, I think uh, did a little, little bit of damage there. And and I had sort of had a few conversations in with some people overseas in a church in Hong Kong, and they had asked me to consider going over there for a job. And I thought that was really cool. And, and you know, the little excited part of me deep inside that was just like, yeah, Dave, go move to Hong Kong. How cool is that? You know, I thought, well, that must be God saying that that's the right thing to do. So I sort of organized my life to, to do that. And then the trail went a little bit cold with them. They stopped kind of chatting to me. And I'd at this point gone over there, had a, I guess you could say an interview and met with their team and whatever. And then afterwards it just went cold and it, it didn't actually result in anything. And so I sort of had wound up my position as a youth pastor and was kind of like, now I've got nothing to do. So I'll just go back to to Sydney where I know to, to Hills again and, and kind of be part of the youth group and go get my old job at the jeans shop again and, and hang out there. And and so that's what I did. And I was able to get a job pretty quickly with something called Youth Alive. Oh yeah, I mentioned Youth Alive earlier, Countdown 2000. So later on in life, I worked with Youth Alive under Sanger and, and the team there doing lots of different things, putting on some big events, doing marketing and, and bits and pieces. and Like a paid job. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that that was where I found myself. And again, in that environment where there was so much drive and so much vision and so much motivation to change the world and all of this stuff, I found myself again. We had so many volunteers and interns and people working with us. And, and I distinctly remember that I was, again, just that guy who was organising lots of big events and getting people to do things all the time and probably treating people kind of like, you know, not like that well. You were, like you'd been treated and like yeah. everyone was yeah. treating everyone. Yeah. The, the incongruence inside, I was just like, oh, this isn't so great. And these people are probably, you know, this isn't the right way to treat people sometimes. And then other times we'll be like, no, but everyone gets it. We're all in this together. We're all, you know, chasing the same thing together. And so you, I just sort of kept going with it, right? And mm. to the point where it got so, I was working so hard and, and trying so hard to sort of put on, the different events and things that we were doing and and i i remember going to the doctor we had a we had a doctor's kind of clinic at, at hillsong 
Hillsong Youth Services or something. So we had a doctor and we had psychologists and all this stuff. And anyway, I went to the GP and yeah. they got me to do a survey, which I'd never done before. It was like all of these weird questions. And in my head, I'm like, this isn't very doctorish. This is just like questions about how I feel, which is weird, but okay. So I was doing all these surveys and then she kind of said to me, you know, Dave, seems to me like you are suffering from, you know, acute sort of anxiety and depression. And I just was like, hold on. What do you mean? That is no way man i'm a happy guy i go to work and i'm doing something that cha is changing the world and yeah i only sleep sort of four hours a night and yeah i do worry all the time but you got it, you got it wrong um you know i there's no way i can be depressed and so she recommended i see a psychologist and right. so i started going to this psychologist and we sort of started talking about my feelings which was very uncharted territory for me as a you know as a young man um so well even though you're in such a, a place which is so emotional yeah. and heavily laden with emotions actual feelings aren't really talked about still okay yeah so back and forth between the psychologist and gp i was prescribed antidepressants which again massive deal for me there was so much stigma around things like mental health depression at the time i was so embarrassed and so shocked that i was you know even in that but I couldn't even tell my parents and for years later I didn't tell them is you that know, a, a masculinity thing is that a church thing I mean because they're pretty a bit pray about it as a solution for mental yeah. health being the oh, thing. Definitely. Um, yeah yeah I think yeah the faith is a substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not yet seen right like you 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 don't need medication to <laughs> to achieve like what God's got for you or whatever it just didn't seem like it seemed like cheating right or it seemed like I, there was something wrong with me and so yeah, I took medication and it turned out, um, it depends how many of the listeners here probably know about what mental health treatment is like. It's a bit like roulette. Like you give people medication, you hope for the best and you monitor, right? And so for me, I was like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm taking medication. I also didn't react that well to the medication. And I can't really remember what happened, but I woke up in a mental health unit at hospital a little while later. And it turns out, yeah, I sort of had tried to take my own life. at a whole plan. I had kind of when I'd been admitted, I um, explained to the nurse or whatever what I was going to do. And I kind of can't really remember much of this stuff and it's super hazy. But it was so weird to go from doing all of this stuff and having so much involvement in church and, and having my life on a track to suddenly being in this situation where it all had disappeared. But it didn't all disappear. I just like a bit of a cliffhanger. And it's actually a fantastic story to hear how Dave found his way through into, I guess, like his own light, his own sunlight out of the tunnel. And it's, it's a really great story. So part two will be coming up ASAP. Thank you so much for taking the time to sit with us and take part in this. I'm really excited about what might happen when we start pulling these things apart. If you like what you just heard, please consider subscribing, liking, sharing with someone who this might benefit. If you want to support us, you can stop by the Leaving Hillsong Patreon or PayPal. Part two is just about ready to go, but I am going to go for a catch up with one of those uh, Hillsong accountability scoundrels. Scheme some of those righteous schemes before they leave town. Please keep sending your feedback, your messages, content ideas, anything you want to share, just send it on. Please keep being kind to each other and please be kind to yourselves. Keep leaving Hillsong.
and we'll talk soon. Bye. on a budget quality is non-negotiable that's why quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks italian leather jackets and so much more and the best part about quince they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe ethical and responsible manufacturing elevate your style without the elevated price tag with quince go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.